All right, open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 5 this morning, Romans chapter 5, and we'll dismiss all the children up through age 8, all the children up through age 8. If you'd like to go to Children's Church, while the children are going to Children's Church, and you're opening your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 5, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 5, the children up to age 8, and we'll turn to Romans chapter 5. And I believe there is a note in the bulletin that we could use some more helpers in our children's church ministry. And uh, so if that's an area that you'd like to help in, please keep that in mind. Uh, So many different ministries, so many workers needed, and uh, we hope that each one of us will just find our place in the body of Christ and in the body of the local church and just serve the Lord faithfully. All right, if you have your Bibles open to Romans chapter 5, let me begin reading with verse 1. Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for the Sunday school hour this morning, for the good fellowship, the ministry, Lord, to one another, just being together and the common bond we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the morning service so far, the the fellowship, the singing, and praying together. Now, Lord, for these next few minutes, we just pray that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide. And, and Lord, help us. It's, it's easy to be distracted. And I pray that you'll just help each one of us, Lord, to just stay focused on your word today and that the Holy Spirit can minister to us. And Lord, the truth is, if Jesus Christ is honored, that's the most important thing, but If you could just use your word to help one here today, it's worth it all. And so we thank you and praise you for what you're doing. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for the men in the PA booth. I think we got rid of that ring, didn't we? Does that sound better? How many of you heard a ring? I'm not going crazy, am I? Or an echo or something? All right, well, two or three of us are going crazy together. But it sounds better. Can you hear okay? Can everybody hear? How many of you can't hear and you're glad of it? Okay, want to make sure you can hear okay. Notice in these two verses, especially in uh, verse 2 of Romans chapter 5, it says, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, by whom or through whom, through Christ, also we, that is we who are true believers and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, says we have access by faith into this grace. And the Apostle Paul there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit reminds us of what our spiritual standing is in the sight of God today if you're a born-again Christian. And he says it's in grace. And the word access, I'm reading from the King James Bible there, In Romans chapter 5 and verse 2 says, by whom also we have access. And the word access there actually means admission. Uh, We've been given admission uh, into the grace or the favor of God. Wow, 
You know, the truth is there's not one person living on this planet today that isn't to some extent benefiting from the grace of God. The very air they breathe, the water they drink, the food, and we understand that. But spiritually speaking, if you're a born-again Christian, wow, do we really understand the access we have, the admission we've had through Christ into the very grace of God, the favor and the blessings of God. You know, matter of fact, I don't. Th- I thought about it as we were singing more about Jesus, more about Jesus. And I've said this many times. I think when we get to heaven, all of a sudden it's going to really, for the first time, dawn upon us what the love of God is really all about. What mercy and grace and all these and forgiveness. I mean, thank God for what little we understand it down here. But I don't think we've seen the tip of the iceberg. We've got a wonderful future to look forward to if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, I'd like to back up for a moment, and sometimes it's good. The book of Romans, as you know, and we're all somewhat familiar with the book of Romans, I'm sure, has 16 chapters in it. And wow, it has an ocean full of truth in it. Now, the, we could say that about every book of the Bible has an ocean. And it's all, we believe all 66 books of this Bible is the inspired Word of God and preserved for us today. But a book like Romans is just so full of so many rich doctrines. Uh, The doctrines of salvation, mercy, grace, imputation, justification. Are you been impressed? Boy, I'm doing good just to say those words. And and all all the doctrines of grace. And and, and that book just is just like an ocean full of truth. And sometimes, at least for me, it's good to back up and get what we call a a bird's eye view or a or a panoramic view of the whole book, you know, and, and then kind of then get down into the thick of it and try to uh, feel your way around and so forth. And did you notice the first word of Romans chapter 5 is the word therefore? And it's a key word in the book of Romans. As a matter of fact, it's found nearly 30 times. Nearly 30 times you'll find in the King James Bible the word therefore. Now, I know we get tired of hearing this, but remember, every time you find the word therefore, what are you supposed to do? Find out what it's there for, right? And I call it a connecting word. For instance, God will use Paul to teach a certain doctrine, and then he says, now, therefore, this is what your duty ought to be. This is how you ought to respond. This is what this truth ought to lead to and on and on. So it's kind of, it takes, the, it keeps it in context of what's coming, what came before it and so forth. And you can take that word therefore and sort of divide the 16 chapters of the book of Romans in four or five general sections. I've divided it in my own thinking in about five general sections. Kind of get back and get a bird's eye view. For instance, if we could take a few minutes and do that, go back with me. Just turn back to the third chapter. of. You may just have to turn a page backwards in your Bible. And look at chapter 3 and verse 20. Chapter 3 and verse 20. We find our word, therefore, right? Chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified or no person be justified in God's sight for by the law is the knowledge of what? Sin, sin. And so basically, in the first three chapters of Romans is the subject of sin. 
sin. Some use the word condemnation or wrath or judgment, but I'll just use the word sin. For example, if you look at chapter 1, verse 18, Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Can we just have a little Bible study? Is that all right? We'll forget it's Sunday morning. We'll just have a Sunday school. We'll have a little Bible study, all right? Chapter 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God. What? I thought we were in the New Testament. I thought the wrath of God was Old Testament. Oh, no, it's same God. Same God. Romans 1, 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people, of men and women who hold or suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. So boy, you come through the first three chapters of Romans and over, and, and the Holy Spirit through Paul just zeroes in on the subject of sin. Uh, for example, look at the last verse of chapter 1, verse 32, Romans 1, verse 32. And he goes down through chapter 1 naming all the sins. Some of them are an abomination to God. And you get to the end of chapter 1 and he says, even people who knowing, knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do these things, but have pleasure in them that do them. And they'll do everything they can to get you to participate in those sins also. And then you come to chapter 3 and verse 9. Chapter 3 and verse 9. What then? Are we better than they know in no wise? For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under what? Sin. And of course... The summary verse of all that is Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 that says, for all, put your name there, for all have what? Sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, I want you to keep that verse in mind because Lord willing, we're going to come back to that. I'm going to remind you of it in a minute, okay? In a few minutes. We've all sinned. Now, we like to compare ourselves with others, don't we? And you know what? I'm going to pick the meanest, low-downest person I can find to compare myself with because it makes me look good. Now, I've got to find one pretty wicked to do that, but I, you know, I'm not going... Sure we do. But he says we compare ourselves with God, with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you we all fall short, don't we? For all have sinned and come short of whose glory? God's glory, God's righteousness, God's hope. Now he told us in verse 20, Romans chapter 3, verse 20, which we read, that it's by the law of God that we learn that we're sinners. Now, you don't get saved. You don't get forgiveness. You don't find righteousness by keeping... He says in Romans 3, verse 20, Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. Someone illustrated it this way. You look into the mirror and the mirror reveals whether you have dirt or egg on your face, right? But you don't take the mirror off the wall to clean your face with, do you? No. The law of God, the moral Ten Commandments, the law of God shows us that God is holy and righteous and I'm a sinner. But the law of God cannot keep trying to live up to the law of God. You, you'll never be good enough to measure up to God's righteousness. So now I need to find something that can forgive me and make me righteous. So the first three chapters is sin. Now, chapters just sort of divided into chapters. Chapters four and five have to do with salvation or justification 
You want to use a good theological doctrine. And salvation's a good Bible word too. So there's no need to talk about salvation till first of all you realize you're a sinner, right? Isn't the Bible practical? Now, I say chapters 4 and 5 if you're taking notes, but actually the subject of justification or salvation begins in chapter 3 and verse 21. Chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. In other words, there's a way that I can find forgiveness, salvation, and righteousness and holiness without striving to do it on my own with good works and so forth. And so we come over to chapter 5, verse 1, where we started. And all this chapters 4 and 5 and a few verses there at the end of chapter 3 have to do with salvation or justification. And look at chapter 5, verse 1 again. There's our word, therefore, therefore being, and that word means having been. Therefore, having been what? Justified. That's salvation. That's been declared righteous and holy. How'd that happen? By faith. Not by good works. Not by keeping the law. We saw that in chapter 3, verse 20. Y'all still with me? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through who? Yourself? No. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, where do we find forgiveness and salvation? Through another one, through Jesus Christ. It's by faith, not good works. It's grace, not law. It's not self, it's Jesus Christ. So the first three chapters, let's say sin. Chapters four and five is salvation. And then just quickly, chapters six and seven is sanctification are living a godly, holy life. Look at chapter 6, verse 4, for example. Chapter 6, verse 4. There's sin, chapters 1, 2, 3, basically. There's salvation, or justification, chapters 4 and 5. And now there's sanctification, or trying, seeking to live a holy, godly life, chapter 6 and 7. Look at chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore, there's our word, we are buried with Him, that's Jesus. And you notice this is all connected with Jesus. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death. You say, well, I didn't die with Jesus. I wasn't buried with... Well, He's talking here that you identified... If you're a born-again Christian, you've identified yourself with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Romans 6 verse 4 says that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we, if you're truly saved, we also should now walk or live in what? Newness of life. We, taught, we studied this in Sunday school this morning. So you don't live in newness of life. You don't strive to live a holy, godly life in order to become a Christian. You know, it's kind of like a baby been born. A baby been born and... That baby doesn't, boy, this is good. You know, some are telling us that, well, that baby's not even a baby till it comes out of the womb. Where's that going to end up at? Well, that baby doesn't have to live and strive and cry and be nourished for six months or a year, and then finally it's a person, is it? Now, there are some that would probably like for us to believe that. Why? When did it become a person? The moment it was conceived. 
See, you don't have to strive and work and one day, hallelujah, I made it, I grew, and now I'm a child of God. No, you're born into the family of God. And because you are in Christ, you're saved. Now you're, you're living the Christian life, not to become a Christian, but because with the grace of God, you are one. There's a world of difference in that, isn't it? And so that's chapter 6 and 7, sanctification. Now, very quickly, you get over to chapter 8, verse 1, and basically chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11, there's four chapters there, which, and I put down the word security. Security. Our security. Now, some say condemnation, and here you have no condemnation. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. There is, and there's our word again. What is it? Therefore. There is therefore now no. N-O. Condemnation. To them which are what? In Christ Jesus. That's the issue today. Are you in Christ Jesus? Amen. No condemnation. And then at the end of chapter 8, at the end of chapter 8, Paul asked the question in verse 35, Romans 8, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And his conclusion is, verse 39, that neither height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. <laughs> so chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11, if we lump all four of those chapters together, have to do with our security, our assurance. So chapters 1, 2, and 3 is sin. Chapters 4 and 5 is salvation. Chapter 6 and 7 is sanctification. Chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11, basically security. And then look at chapter 12 and verse 1. Chapter 12 and verse 1, and I put the word service. Service. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, what's the next word? Therefore, since everything we've said through 11 chapters is true, I beseech you therefore, brethren, if you're a true born-again Christian, by or because of, as a result of the mercies of God that you present your bodies or give your life as a sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then he starts talking about different gifts and abilities that God's given us so we can find our place in the body of Christ, the local church, and spend the rest of our lives living for Jesus and serving Him and reaching others. Isn't that a beautiful picture, folks? Isn't that beautiful? Now, have I impressed you this morning? Would you agree with me that the book of Romans is an ocean full of truth, isn't it? Wow. And yet, such deep truth and yet so practical. He starts out teaching us the truth about Himself and us. We're sinners. We need salvation. And after we're saved, how to live a holy, godly life gives us security and assurance and says, now serve me and live for me. Now go back with me for the rest of the time to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And let me just quickly remind us this morning of some of the blessings 
that are ours right now. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven. Remember we said in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2 that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you already have access to the grace of God. You already have admission. <laughs> your sta- that's your spiritual standing in the grace or favor of a merciful yet absolute holy and righteous God. You don't wait till you get to heaven to find out whether you're saved or not. Or, or to, You can enjoy God's blessings right now. Amen? Well, what are some of these spiritual blessings that, that, that we ought to be so excited about and praise God for? Well, let's just mention a few of them here real quick with what time we have left. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 again. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Number one, we have peace with God. Now that's talking about your relationship with God. Now other scriptures talk about the peace of God, and we understand that. But the question is today, do I have a peace relationship with God? Now if you'll look down at verse 10 of Romans chapter 5, you find these words. For if when we were what? Enemies. Now, again, Paul's writing to born-again Christians here. If you are a true believer today and you really know Jesus as your Savior, he says there was, before you became a born-again Christian, you were God's what? Enemy. Now, I've shared with you before, I remember very clearly a gentleman told me one time, said, well, I'm not a born-again Christian, but I'm not God's enemy. I don't have a thing against God. And I said to him, well, that's wonderful because I've met a lot of people who do have things against God. They're mad at God. They're bitter at God. And I'm glad you don't have anything against God. But he sure has something against you. He does. That's He has something against all of us because he is absolutely holy and righteous and we are sinners. And finally, everybody agrees that, you know, well, I've never murdered anybody or that, but we've all sinned, haven't we? And because of sin, there's enmity between man and God. And verse 10 of Romans 5 says, For if when we were enemies, we were, and what's the next word? Reconciled to God. How did we get reconciled to God? By the death of His Son. That's Jesus. There's the death of Jesus on the cross. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven, by whom we have now received the atonement. And the word atonement there has to do with reconciliation. Now stay with me. Three times in verses 10 and 11, you find the word or the doctrine of reconciliation. You find the word atonement there in the King James Bible. Three times in those two verses, you find the doctrine of reconciliation mentioned. Now, usually from a human perspective, it means two individuals that have that are odds with each other, and usually there's a little bit of blame on both sides, right? And they're reconciled. They're brought back together. And there's a peace relationship in a marriage, in a family, in a church, whatever. Now, when it comes to me and God, there's no problem on God's side. 
All the blame stops right here. Amen. But you know what? This old sinner right here had to be reconciled with an absolutely holy, righteous God in order for there to be a peace relationship. How the, what in the world could I do? How much work would I have to do? How many times would I have to go to church? How much money would I have to give? How many times would I have to be baptized? What in the world would I have to do to atone for my sins and be reconciled to God? I could never do enough. I come to Jesus. Jesus died on an old rugged cross for me. It's through, do you, did you get the, it's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. Been washed in the blood of Christ and covered with his righteousness. And now my sins are forgiven. And only because of Jesus can there be reconciled. No church organization, no man, no human being, no good works, no keeping the law, no living up to the Ten Commandments, none of that. Only Jesus can forgive me my sins and reconcile me to God. Can you say amen to that? Do you have that relationship with God today? Peace, a peace relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, boy, we could go on and on. I mean, sermons after sermons and lessons after lessons could be preached and taught on all these wonderful truths, couldn't we? Notice another blessing here in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have right now a peace relationship with God. How did we get it? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by faith. It's by faith, not works. It's by grace, not law. It's by Jesus Christ and not self. Verse 2, by whom also we have access, again by faith, into this grace, into this favor of God wherein we stand. And I've already mentioned this. Not only do we have peace with God, but we have access. We are standing in God's favor and God's grace. Wow, that's mercy, isn't it? That's mercy. God, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I had the privilege yesterday of sharing with someone who looked at me and said, I just don't believe God could forgive me. I said, you know, I said, you know what? I'm glad to hear you say that. And he looked at me and he said, you are? I said, yeah, because in my lifetime, I found out most people don't believe they're sinful enough to need God's forgiveness. Oh, they'll admit I lied a little here, fudge a little there, but I don't deserve to go to hell. See, they don't understand God's holiness and righteousness. But I'm glad you're at the place where you realize you're so sinful. You're better off than a lot of people. But how wonderful it was to be able to share with you. I said, do you know the song Amazing Grace? Oh, yeah, I've been to church. I've heard. And I shared with him about old John Newton, the man God used to write that song. What a wicked man John Newton was. He cursed. Even the other sailors uh, on the slave ships just couldn't stand to be around him. I don't know if this, is, this part is true or not. You know, stories, sometimes we add little things to them. We don't mean over the years and and I heard one time that, that John Newton actually felt was just he was a drunkard, alcohol, cuss. I mean, goodness gracious, cussed the wallpaper off the wall, as we say. Just a, and and he fell overboard one time, and his buddies on the ship 
just despising him. So I heard that they, what's it called? A harpool? Is that a, an arrow with a rope like on it or something? Actually shot him in the leg and pulled him back. Now, I don't know if that part's true, but, you know, but, you know, well, anyway, he finally got saved. Got saved. And he wrote Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a goody good. No, saved a wretch like me, amen. I once was blind, but now I see. You see, some people are so good, they don't see their need of salvation. And I said, I said, sir, you're in a good place if you see your sin. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God today? Now, not only the grace of God that saves us, but sustains us and, and helps us moment by moment in our lives. Oh, listen, I don't have to wait till I get to heaven. (laughs) We can enjoy our peace with God today. We can enjoy God's grace and favor and blessings today. Look at something else here. In verse 2, it says of Romans 5, by whom also we have access by faith, again, into this grace wherein you stand, and rejoice in hope of what? The glory of God. Now that word hope there, again, we need to be reminded of this, it doesn't have a question mark. Some of you are hoping to get out of church here in a little bit and go get something to eat. You may get out in a few minutes, you may not. Big old question mark. Now this Bible word hope doesn't contain a question mark. It implies absolute confidence, absolute assurance. And what is it? Rejoice in hope of what? The glory of God. Now, Remember, I told you to remember a verse. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. Now you know I'll have to admit, many times I read that verse there in Romans 5 verse 2. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And you know what I think of? I think how one day, one day I get to go to heaven. Oh, the glory of God. One day I'm going to get a new body. Matter of fact, in Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about that new body. I'm going to get a glorified body. I'm, and people say, you know, God's a spirit. You reckon we'll get to see, you know, we have so many questions about heaven now. Will, will, we, will we get to see God the Father? Will we just see a bright glow, the Shekinah glory? Well, I, you know, we don't know. Goodness gracious. But we're not going to be disappointed. And so when I think about the future, the hope of the glory of God. I think about heaven, the new body, and all this. But wait a minute. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 said that we've all sinned and come short of what? The glory, the holiness, the righteousness of God. Did you know the Apostle John says that one day you're going to see Jesus? And you're going to see him as he is. And you're going to be just like him. Now we're not going to be a bunch of little deities running around. Don't let the Mormons get you confused about that. You're not going to be a God one day. Amen. No, to God be the glory. But we're going to be as holy and as righteous as Jesus is. Now, Do you believe that? Wouldn't you like to be that way today? Wouldn't you? Now, folk, now sometimes we Baptists are are criticized. We say, well, if you tell people they have eternal security and they're saved forever, 
Well, they'll go out and live like the devil. No, they will not if they're truly saved. My goodness, if the grace of God gets a hold of your heart, you know, it's not going to motivate you to go out here and be in love with Jesus and serve Jesus and live for Jesus and by God's grace live holy and godly. Amen. If you can walk out of here today and say, well, I can live any way I want to. Preacher said once I get saved, I've got eternal. Something's wrong, folks. Something's wrong in here. Amen. You know what our hope is? Oh, we've we, we got a lot of things to look forward to, but the hope is one day, hallelujah, we're going to be as holy and as righteous as Jesus is. I've often said, you know what our goal is as a church? Ought to be to make as many people as much like Jesus as possible before we get to heaven. That starts with getting saved and growing and trying to just grow in holiness and righteousness and be as much like, let God do a lot of it for us down here. Make us as much like Jesus as possible. So we have peace with God. We have access, admission into standing in His grace. We have this hope of one day the glory of God. And then watch verse 3. And not only so, and by the way, I'll just throw this out real quick. In these 11 verses here in Romans chapter 5, 1 through 11, in these 11 verses, did you notice you find these words over and over? Not only so, also much more. It's like saying, hey, guess what? There's, there's more and there's more and there's more. It's like dipping water out of the ocean. And he says here in verse 3, and not only so, but we glory or rejoice in tribulations. Uh-oh. Well, now, wait a minute, preacher. I like this being justified by faith and peace with God and forgiveness and the glory of God, but rejoice in tribulations? I'm not sure about that. You know what one of the blessings we have in this life right here is to personally experience the ministry of God's Holy Spirit in our lives right now. How many times have I thought or said, and I think you'll agree with me, I've enjoyed the mountaintops in my Christian life, haven't you? We need those. But where is it? Where is it in your life that you really get to know God? It's in the valleys, isn't it? It's in the trials and the difficulties. Is that not true? Is that not true? Look what he says in verse 3. Now just stay with me a couple of minutes and I'm going to try to wrap it up. In verse uh, 3 again, Romans 5 or 6. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience or endurance. And patience experience. The, you know, we can talk about the love, of the fruits of the Spirit. We can talk about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We can talk about all these wonderful truths, but I'll never personally experience it without a heartache here or there or a trial and a difficulty here or there. Patience, experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Wow. Have you experienced the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life in so many different ways and all? And that's the grace of God. 
It's experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, growing and maturing. Romans 8.28 again, Romans 8.28, how that God's able to take it all. All things work together for good and benefit to those who are saved, to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Now, let me give you one more and I'll stop. We have assurance and security. Romans chapter 5 and beginning with verse 6. Now watch this very carefully. Romans 5 verse 6. For when we were without strength, that means we're all sinners, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and on our own we are absolutely helpless and hopeless. When we were yet without strength, in due time, according to God's purposes, Christ did something for you and me. What did He do? He died for us. He died for who? He died for the ungodly. Now, if you're a goody-goody, it's not for you. He, Jesus only died for sinners. But we've already learned we're all sinners, aren't we? Christ died for the... Who did He die for on that old rugged cross? He died for sinners like you and me. He knew we'd be here 2,000 years later. Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God, God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> he doesn't love us because we're good. He loved us in spite of our sin. And He died in our place. Now watch verse 9. Much more than... <laughs> it's getting better and better. Gooder and gooder. Now watch. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. We shall continue to be saved through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall continue to be saved by His what? Life. If God loved me that much and saved me, oh, what will He do for me now that I am saved and I'm His child? You know how I got saved? Through Jesus. You know how I've been kept saved for 50 years now? Jesus. You brag on Jesus, amen, and the grace of God. That's assurance. That, and Paul is saying, oh my, you know, it's like he's just, he's just so overwhelmed with how and much more. Oh, goodness. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. And then verse 11, and not only so, but we joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement or the reconciliation. All my security is wrapped up in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's all wrapped up in Jesus, the grace of God. And it's all by faith. It's all by faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we start out a sinner separated from God at enmity with God. And Paul says in chapter 5, verse 11, you can joy in God. You can enjoy your God. 
Oh, it doesn't mean we take God lightly and get too familiar with God. God is as holy today as He ever was. Amen? But He's as merciful as He ever was. Are you enjoying your God today? Oh, worshiping, walking with Him, fellowshipping with Him. Only possible through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Well, are you in or out? Do you know Jesus or do you don't know Him? Amen? It's not church. Although church has its place. It's not good works. It's not your striving. It's by faith. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you love Jesus? Are you living for Jesus? Are you serving Jesus? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for the truth of your word today. And God, hopefully we've nailed some things down in our own lives and and maybe... Lord, uh, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. If there's one here today, Lord, that's trusting or depending upon self or anything, anything other than Jesus and Jesus alone, may the Holy Spirit just turn the light on and help that dear woman, that dear man, that dear young person to just come to Jesus. Come to Jesus by faith and receive your grace and mercy and forgiveness. May the Holy Spirit do what is humanly impossible and draw the lost to you today to be saved. And God, encourage our hearts and remind us of what blessings we have in your grace today. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you stand with me this morning and And we're just going to, as the heads are bowed and eyes are closed and the pianist plays softly a verse or two. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior while the pianist playing, would you just lift your heart? And I'm sure you've already been doing that. Just thank God. Thank God for His mercy and His grace. If you're here today and you're not saved, or you don't know, maybe there's a big old question mark on your heart. Would you let someone pray with you and help you? Or right where you stand, right where you stand, would you just reach out to Jesus? In your heart right now, would you by faith just look to Jesus? Acknowledge your sinfulness. Come with a repentant heart and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Ask yourself what it is you're trusting in. Or who it is. What is it that you're depending on? If you believe you'd go to heaven, what is it that you're depending on? Make sure it's Jesus. He's the one who died on that old rugged cross, was buried and rose again. When asked the pianist to play one more verse, and that's all. If we can help you, if we can help you, would you come right now? Christian, are you thankful for the grace of God? Well, Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us what our response ought to be. Therefore, let's give it all to Jesus. Our lives, our bodies, our talents. Just say, Lord Jesus, take me. I put it all on the altar. And use me for your honor and glory. That's our reasonable response, isn't it?
all the Lord's people said, Amen. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for your mercy and grace. And we just pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to use the seed of your word as it's planted in our hearts and lives. Thank you, God, for every child, young person, every man and woman here today. And God, as we go our separate ways, we pray that you'll watch over us and bring us back together, Lord, safely. We look forward to the rest of the day and your blessings together. In Jesus' name, amen. Good day. God bless you. If we can be of any help to you, let us know.